Yeah, so I'll hold up, um, although this is an audio-only podcast, I'll hold up a copy for you there, Josh, on the, the screen. So this is um, White Dwarf 166 from, I think it's it's coming on 28, 29 years old. Um, yeah. So this was the first White Dwarf I ever got. Um, and there was a there was a free miniature on the front. It was a space marine, plastic space marine from Warhammer 40k, which I think I think this is the issue that um the the new edition had just come out. Don't know if you know a bit more about that than me, but Yeah, mate, yeah, we actually played it today. We played second edition today. So Really? Yeah, I've been really into into the second edition vibe at the moment and I'm um, just loving it. So yeah. Probably more more so now than I did back in the day. Yeah. So uh, w- when you're playing the second edition, then are you are you going for the sort of aesthetic that we see in these pages? Absolutely, mate. Totally green, nice goblin green, green bases, grass, blue skies. Very yeah, very very bright colours. Um, yeah, presently I have an orc army that I'm working on at the moment, and um, I've got my chaos army that I, I painted back in the in, the, in about around right about ninety six, and I played it for the first time today. Uh, in 25 years so yeah it's been a real nostalgia trip for me playing second edition again so this this harks back a lot of memories what a cover this was as well like the cover of the magazine and the cover of the game which are the same things like i remember as a kid drawing this or trying to draw it um and every time i did just noticing more and more details there's just so much going on in that cover isn't there Mm. yeah john blanche i think one of his biggest strengths i think for john was that he could paint and and illustrate these wonderful massive bas- like massive battle scenes, and he he did it so many times with so many other different systems as well, especially Warhammer and Man of War. Especially the Man of War rulebook has some incredible epic uh, drawings. The epic Space Marine um, rulebooks. Look at those, and you know you can see this massive uh, scope of scale that John could portray and have this real central figure, as you can see with the Space Marine to forty k, but. Yeah, he, he's, he was the master of all these mass-scale kind of illustrations, I think. So just just opening up the magazine, so it is, it's issue 166 from October 1993. So time of recording, we are November 2021. So this kind of is the grim darkness of the far future that we live in now, isn't it? So um, we're looking back to to nicer times, I guess. So in the, in the inside cover, we've got a couple of lovely photographs. So we've got a Dark Angels tactical squad and Deathwing Terminators Again, on on the, the that nice um, bowling green style table, um, and then we've got some dwarfs as well. Dwarf heroes, uh, what's that? Burlock, Burlock Damonson and King Kazador. Have I said that right? Uh, he's um, he is uh, okay. Well, hang on. Oh, wait. He, King Kazador. That's right. King is it? King Kazador. It's not King Kazador. It can't be. That's, yeah, that's what it says there. Uh, did he get demoted or promoted? Or? That's Craig Grimm. That's Craig Grimm, Rune Lord Craig Grimm. I think they got that wrong. Uh, Burlock Damonson is the one in the central part of the photo with – he's the engineer, master engineer. And um, the Craig Grimm, the Rune Master, is the one on the far right hand of the picture. So King Cazador was another model that's not featured in this particular picture. So the editor of this edition, Robin Jews. So we need to we need to track Robin down. And pull him up on this. He's on Facebook, um, mate. You can, you can track him yeah, down. Yeah, we've noticed yeah. a mistake from this twenty-eight-year-old magazine. So, um, um, so I'm, yeah, I'm going yeah. into 
I'm going on to page, I don't think it's got page numbers, to be honest. I'm going on to the next page where we see a nice big um, news newsy release for Warhammer 40,000. So we see a photo of the box set in all its glory. You see everything. It's it's available for them, $34.99, which is quite something when you think about the, the prices of these games these days. Uh, so 35 quid, you know, that's a that wouldn't even get you a meal and a couple of pints in a pub these days. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Aye. Um we also see a couple of the couple of the black library novels. I had that um Deathwing. I had that novel. Uh don't know what I've done with it. Be good to find that. But um yeah, I like the black library stuff as well. Um that was a 40k novel. Um we've also got uh, a wee release that's new new dwarf characters and uh one of these prize winning, I always liked to see these in the magazines back in the day. So it was always like a kid who'd won just hundreds of games and boxes and stuff. So you see that wee photo. He's he's got a he's got an actual life sized Space Wolves Terminator standing behind him. I don't know if he won that or if that was just part of the photo. And then he's sitting there shit eating grin and like four hundred box sets around his feet. So fair play to the wee man. Ian Carter, he was 14 at this time, so older than me. Ian will be, um, wonder if Ian's still kicking about out there today. Uh, track him down as well when we're, when we're looking for Robin Jews. I'm sure he's got a loft and he has all those boxes up there and he's going to he's gonna post on Facebook one day and say, oh, look what I found at my loft. You know, yeah. like, you know, 400 box sets of <laughs> all sealed, you know, games yeah. workshop uh, Worth about, worth about probably 50 grand now. Yeah. <laughs> if he's not opened them. Yeah, these these are wonderful, aren't they? I mean, um, yeah, no, he, he's reached he's reached Mecca, this boy, and Ian. And, um, yeah, he's got everything that we could all only have wished for back in those days, I think. Yeah. Um, and it was. It, it was presented with his huge prize. Oh, buy a Space Wolf Terminator. So he didn't get to keep the Terminator. I was going to say... Uh, that's one of them where you, you're telling your mum that you've won this huge Terminator and she's a bit, she doesn't really want that in the house because it's <laughs> what you're going to do with it, hang clothes on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a great dark guard dog though, isn't it? Yeah, right yeah, ah, your burglar yeah. would get a bit of a fright when, yeah, he, um, when he broke in. Yeah, so on the next page, we've got um, Grom. He gets a he gets a lot of chat on your podcast, doesn't he? I've heard them mentioned a few times. Big Grom, big fat goblin sitting there on his on his chariot. Yeah, beautiful model. Um, yeah, I, I, I tried to paint mine pretty much exactly the same as the studio paint job, um, as close as I could to honour the um, the wonderful thing that is Grom. Even the yellow coloured. <laughs> Uh, horns that wrap around the you know the base of the chariot body and that kind of thing. It's just wonderful. It's just all gorgeous. I think. Yeah. So yeah, he does get a good mention. I think uh, because you know he's Grom and um, you know he's the he's the king of the goblin world. Um, yeah, it doesn't have a price. I, I dare say we'll we'll see that in the catalogue section. I'm interested to see how how much Grom was going for at this point. Um, so do you see a lot of them kicking about these days have you got one yourself Josh absolutely mate yeah I've got one ah, you, Actually, you I, literally I, just told me that yeah, no, I, bought, I bought one way back way back in the day and I had never painted it and it was only I don't know um, since I got my army back from, from Australia that I actually painted it yeah so I still had it unassembled and everything like back home so yes very lucky to have that how much red have you got on it? 
Uh, it's all exactly exactly the same as that the one pictured in in here. So the same yeah. amount of red. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I liked uh, on your on your recent podcast episode. You had a bit of a discussion about the red. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't know it divided opinion just as much as it must have done. Um, what do you know? Like, what what was the reason that Games Workshop wanted all the red on their their models at this point? I think talking to Dave and Thomas about it, I think it was more. Um, I think from memory, it was kind of like a design choice or just like an art direction they they focused on. Uh, it it may have been that Mike McVeigh was painting these very bright primary colors during that time and they thought they caught on to that and everyone sort of started following mike's cue in 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 painting in this kind of similar sort of style and maybe they just found red is a very visual color and very attractive on box sets like this when they showed off um, miniatures on uh, on in store shops and that kind of thing and of course it is i think red is a very visually attractive color and your eyes are always drawn to it and i think it was more of a marketing kind of a um, art direction they wanted to go in, and everything started become becoming red. Um, so everything like wood, you know, wooden shafts on spears, you know, chariot bodies like Groms, um, everything like the boots of the dwarves that you saw in the miners before uh, in this issue, and everything started becoming red and become uh, like Dave said, like a, a parody almost. And um, and a lot of the painters didn't really agree with that, but it was just the direction that everything went in, and it, it became known now of course is kind of the red period and speaking of red on the, the next couple of pages we've got a guide on how to paint your, your free space marine and we're going for a blood angel here um so nice nice bright red models i always laugh you know nowadays we're spoiled with things like youtube for painting tutorials but back in the day when you when you only had white dwarf and I, I laugh looking back you know you've got what we've got here we've got four steps to painting this blood angel so it's like step one undercoat step two you know a bit of red and black i'm like okay that's fine step three yeah i could get and then step four it's just completely finished and it's like wait a minute like how did how did you jump to that so um hi these these tutorials weren't as as easy to follow as they probably looked um certainly for me because i could never really paint but um then we've got some alternative options, haven't we? So we've got some of the different uh, Space Marine um, colour schemes and, and legions. So you got any personal favourites there for the selection? Uh, Dark Angels were a thing of mine and Ultramarines, yeah, were chapters that I really fondly uh, loved back in the day. Um, so if you, and, to, if, yeah. if you had to paint like 20 Space Marines, what, uh, what legion would you go for? What colour scheme would you go for? Actually, I'm, I'm, you know, now, now, I've gone a bit traitor, and I've gone, I've gone for space wolves now because I, I picked up a whole heap of space wolves recently, and um, I've gone traitor now because I was, I was a loyalist to the dark angels, but then I turned to the dark side and went to space wolves. But if I had my choice now, if someone said, okay, you can start afresh and just pick any any cha uh, any chapter you like, I think I'd actually go for um, uh, blood angels, and I, I, I think red is such a visually striking color on the tabletop especially against all those sort of goblin green, you know, uh, flocked uh, boards and that kind of thing. I think visually it's just a really stunning-looking army. Or Ultramarines, I think that's another beautiful-looking chapter. How about yourself, mate? Don't know. I, I always like to look at the Legion of the Damned, and I tried to paint a couple of them when I was wee. D didn't get them anything like what, what we see here, but um, just like that uh, flames on the armour, I think that looks really cool. 
Um, some of the legions here, are, are they still on the go? Like the White Scars, the Silver Skulls, the, the Mentor Legion, are they the Eagle Warriors as well? Do you see Do you see any of them these days? Mate, I have no idea what's happening currently in 40K. I haven't followed it, uh, well, since second edition, to be really honest mm. with you. So yeah. I have absolutely no idea. I sort of live in the 90s, mate, if you, if you haven't noticed. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these, the, the, these are the archives of me, the, these old white dwarves. Um, they're the modern stuff. I have no idea. Uh, so on the, if that is the next page, I can't tell if uh, some of these pages are stuck together. Not in a, not in a dodgy way, just because it's an old magazine. <laughs> well, you really enjoyed Space Marines then. Okay, that's good. I know, yeah. I know. Just try, trying to get the right consistency of paint. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we've got, a, we've got a bit of a guide on the Space Marines yeah. here. Um, that's some undertaking to try and tackle the background of the, the Space Marines. But yeah, they give us a bit of uh, background information here. We've got info about the dark angels um yeah we've got the primarchs and everything like that so obviously just giving the reader a flavor for 40k um and all the the sort of marines available the physique of a space marine we've got a guide there uh they've got ulitic kidneys apparently so um there you go they've got a betcher's gland um, imagine going to the doctors with that lyman's <laughs> ear we've got one of those multi-lung christ they're fairly um I suppose that was the thing, wasn't it? They've had loads done to them. Um, neuro, neuroglottis says, by chewing, tasting or smelling a substance, a space marine could test it for toxicity and nutritive content. That seems unnecessary, but uh, there you go. Yeah, pretty fascinating. They've got two hearts and everything as well. Some boys, the space marines. Got a wee bit about the Primarchs as well. Got a favourite Primarch, Josh? Um... Uh... <sighs> I'm not really sure. I think Sanguinius really sticks in my mind because of that classic artwork that Adrian Smith did with Horus and Sanguinius and the Emperor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know, kind of iconically, it sort of it's 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 planted in my brain from you know the days of Space Marine, and that was really my introduction to 40k more so than Second Edition. So mm-hmm. yeah, that particular bit of artwork really stuck in my mind. Um, uh, apart from that, maybe Lehman Russ. Maybe for the for the space wolves was another classic one for me. You've got a picture here that Jez did of Lehman with his two wolves. I think that's quite a cool, like yeah. it's like the space you know Viking type guy. Um, yeah, yeah. How about yourself, man? Don't know. Um, I, I did read some of the did read some of the the Horus Heresy books. So um, who are some of the that Angron? He was some boy, big angry. Big angry guy. Who was he oh, again? He for was the, for the, the world eaters. Uh, he was like yeah, the yeah. Um, the corn. Yeah. If you played Epic Space Marine, you had you can actually play the Primarchs, which are just awesome. Yeah. The, the cows ones are so much cooler because when they turned, you had Angron, which was kind of like a demon looking guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as you know, sort of uh, designed as a miniature in in Epic Space Marine. You had full a full grim, and you had Magnus. And um, what was the other one? Mortarion. Mortar- Mortarion was the coolest one for um, for Nurgle. He, he looked like yeah. the Grim Reaper. Death yeah, Guard. just amazing. Yeah. yeah, just cool. I mean, they were so much cooler, you know. And of course, you know, naturally, I was attracted to Chaos um, as as a young guy. Uh, I thought they were just they were just, you know, absolutely hot. But um, yeah. 
Um, more more Space Marines in the, the magazine. We've got some Dark Angels uh, Space yeah. Marine Tactical Squad there. Nice nice background. Again, nice blue sky, nice green grass. Um, <laughs> we've yeah. got uh, some Ultramarines on the, the page after that. Uh, we've got some big old, uh, I don't know what they are, missile launchers, LAS cannons, heavy bolters, big heavy looking things. But mm. uh, not a problem for these boys to to hoist above their heads, obviously. Um, then we're diving into some space marine, uh, space wolves, sorry, space wolves. Yep. I always liked these little photo shoots, just uh, all the scenery and terrain laid out, and uh, trees and stuff like that. On the next page is uh, tech marines, chaplains, servitors. They were cool, eh? like the, the yeah. models for them. They're really cool. Um, sort of like robot. They were they were basically. If I remember correctly, they were just were they not just people that had died and they turned them into robots or something and put them to work. It's a bit, it's a bit grim, but I think so they're grown. It looks like here their bodies are grown from human gene cells in vats of artificial nutrient. Okay, so it sounds like a pretty disgusting process, but yeah, it looks like they were just grown to serve. Uh, well, to be servitors to serve and um, be modified genetically or uh, enhanced. Um, with certain kinds of, you know, fit, fittings of whatever whatever kinds that the tech marines would need or what whatever they needed to 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 serve as on the battlefield. But yeah, it's quite a it's quite a quite a process, I think, to be a servitor. I, I don't think I'd ever want to be one. What not with the saving throw of five or more in a D six in the Warhammer forty k universe. It's not going to get you far. Would you like to have a servitor that followed you around in real life? <laughs> No, not particularly. <laughs> would look a bit weird, wouldn't it? It, sitting, it would have been. Sitting in yeah. the pub with a servitor. You're like, go, go and get the pints in. Uh, yeah. He gets yeah. chucked out. Gets lady. Um, well, he does have toughness of four, which is quite quite a thing for... You yeah, know, uh, aye. Yeah. So. Um, and again, we've got a nice pair of red tracksuit bottoms on him there. Yeah. His, pal's got, uh, his pal's got blue trackies on, so yeah, yeah keep, keep him on brand there. Um, on to the next page a librarian uh, Blood mm. Angels librarian that's a nice wee model isn't it yeah very rogue trader actually it is uh, yeah mm. um, and then I like this page we've got a, we've got the stores list these are UK stores and then we've got some photos of um, games being played in the store so check out the boy's hair the, the games workshop boy look at his hair that's like 90s hair metal yeah maybe um, I thought it was a decent, woman actually yeah. But it's, you think? I think it's, yeah, I think it's a guy. It is a guy. I, think I thought it was a woman at first. Yeah, it's proper like Axel Rose style hair yeah, that he's got going it? on. He's playing a and, great uh, game. Though. He's playing Epic Space Marine. I mean, you know, I'll give him credit for that. Yeah, and there's all those nice cardboard skyscrapers that we've yeah. all had. Um, Love those. Yeah. Um, yeah, just creating a sort of big city with them. So yeah, looks like a good game. The the rest of the boys that are playing, they've got the the nineties era Britpop hairdos as well. The bowl cuts. Um, there's a young man with his Citadel starter set that I had um, yes. so he's getting a wee painting lesson and then just a photo of the shop there, I, I've been in the, the shop in recent years and it's not it's not remotely the same as, as what you see now, you know there just seemed like there was so much more in the shop, I don't know if that's just nostalgia speaking but um, there just looked like there was so much available in these old shops then we've got a game of 40k down the bottom, look again the 
the pure enthusiasm on that member of staff there and the, the kid with the England tracksuit. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Eh? Uh, and look at the look at the wee boy's Christmas jersey. See the see the oh, boy on the left leaning yeah, over the yeah. table. That's a proper like his mum's put that Christmas yeah. jersey on him before he went out. So And you're gonna bloody wear that, she said, when you walked out yeah. that door. Yeah. And the thing is folk wear folk wear the jerseys now to to I don't know if it's an ironic thing, but I've just noticed I've got a page cut out here, so I've probably missed a page. Oh, right. Um, I must have cut. Is it like an illustration or something, a drawing? After the store pages? So but after the librarian, uh, the page Ooh. after that, I've, noticed ah. I've went and cut it out. Okay, there, so, was, there was an illustration of a very classic, I think it was Mark Gibbons, um, looks like a Blood Angel captain. Uh, so maybe you, you cut that out, mate. I'd say probably and, stuck it on my wall or something. Yeah, yeah. And there's a librarian page as well. So that that was probably the back of it that you mm-hmm. cut out. So yeah, I must have stuck that on the wall when I was wee. Yeah. Um, going on to the next page is a game that you're right into, Josh. Man of War. We've got some mm. North Raider boats. So you really like Man of War, don't you? We played it again today because Paul, mate Paul, he really enjoys it. So I'm really, I'm really happy that he he likes it. So he he thrashed me again with his bloody dark dark elves. They're um, uh, they're just terrible to play against, but it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a wonderful game, and um, yeah, we're, we're going to play a lot more of it in the future, I think. So have you ever played it, mate? I've never played it. No, I never played it. Um, I was going to say, did did you play it back in the day, or did you only get into it in the in sort of this this era? I saw it played in our in our games club uh, once with two guys that had wonderfully painted fleets, and I was very interested in it, but uh, didn't get a game until I moved to the UK and I lived there and I worked for Games Workshop. And then one of the guys I was living with, he gave me a demo game of it uh, after I bought a pro painted. Dwarf fleet of my store manager, and we played on the floor there, and, and I really enjoyed it. But for some odd reason, I don't know why, I just didn't um, buy the set and get into it with the guys back home. We've got some Norse ships here, so the the Norse they got a lot more love in Man of War than they did in other games in the the Warhammer world, didn't they? Um, I suppose just because Vikings and Viking ships and that whole aesthetic. So were they they one of the big forces in the game then, the Norse? Actually, Norse are a an odd one because they were. I think they were released during the Sea of Blood expansion. The ships are very rare to find, um, so and they're very expensive if you if you do find them. Um, so uh, and the rules were covered in this particular issue of of White Dwarf, and I think they were covered in the they were obviously covered in the Sea of Blood. So they, they weren't a big faction. They were just an, sort of an adult faction that you could have because they introduced allies uh, to Sea of Blood as well. So you could probably have these as an ally to one of your other factions uh, playing in the game mm. or you know, take them as, a, as an, an individual um, faction as, all, as all, uh, also, but I think they were very limited in what you could take. Um, I don't think they had access to wizards or anything like that uh, from memory or any, any sort of flying creatures or whatever like the other fleets did. You ever been tempted with that new one from Mantic Armada, or are you just quite happy with with Man of War? I'm very, I'm very, uh, you know, I, I, it's very rare for me to be tempted by anything modern, mate. To be quite honest with you, 
Um, <laughs> to be, yeah, I don't know why, but I'm quite happy just, you know, just completing and painting models that I had never done or just didn't have the chance to or had the money to buy um, during the 90s. So, yeah, it's kept me very, very busy. Yeah, no have, point. Have, have you no at point all? No, no, I've never never played it. No, um, I do. I, I am a fan of Mantic rule sets in general. Uh, not so much like their miniatures or that. Although the the wee boats that they've done look pretty good. So I never know. You know, I might I might check it out at some point. Um, mm-hmm. Just looking at the next page here, we've got a photo of um, the Norse longships, and we've got the high elves. So the the wee high elf boats look very quaint. They look like the sort of wee yachts that you might see when you're on your holidays. Yeah, <laughs> um, lying on the beach with a beer and looking at somebody doing a bit of windsurfing. Yeah, um, yeah. So um, again, the the Man of War aesthetic was great, wasn't it? The Beautiful. nice blue blue seas mm. and the wee islands and the beaches and stuff. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, that that kind of detail. I mean, you know, I, I was talking to Stuart Thomas, and he absolutely hated painting the Man of War ships. And but they look absolutely beautiful. The sails and everything, yeah, just gorgeous mm. for that kind of scale, that epic sort of scale. It's yeah, they're really, really um, beautiful paint jobs. Um, On the next uh, page, we've got a a wee story. We should have got um, we should have got Nathan from uh, yeah. Warhammer Orchard <laughs> to, to read that. He does a good job reading them, doesn't he? Yeah, it'd take about well, an hour and a half, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll quickly give him a wee phone, see if he's up. Yeah. Uh, so he can do that for us. Um, still more Man of War content on the next couple of pages. So we've got like a couple of sort of diagrams of the ship. So um, again, I've never played the game, but yeah, it's looking like um, different areas of the ship have different sort of damage and you could maybe aim at bits of the ship and stuff like that. So. Um, you did a you did a good couple of episodes on your show, Josh, where you you went through the the rule book. Remember, it was really good. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, I don't know if, how people responded to that. You know, that solo those solo casts of me talking to myself for thirty minutes in you know thirty minute breaks. Uh, but yeah, I, I hope you know it. It you know the aim was just to get people to um, to realize what Manor was and to to realize what a great game it was. Uh, it probably wasn't the best medium to do that. I think I think you need to actually show people in, in video and that kind of stuff. But um, but yeah, I really got super passionate about Man of War, having found a copy here in Japan, and um, yeah, really really wanted to play it. Um, but I could only do it remotely because at that stage it was COVID. You know, COVID was you know well and truly uh, around us. So uh, I had great um, games uh, played remotely through. Um, Discord at that time, so yeah, really enjoyed mm. that a lot. Um, on the next page, we've got uh, sea monsters available for Man of War. So, um, you want to talk us through these, Josh? Uh, yeah, I was actually talking to Paul about those today. Actually, so I'm really looking forward. I've got a set. I've got the Beasts of the Deep, brand new in a box, um, all miniatures unpainted. I'm very proud of that. I don't actually want to paint the miniatures. I, f- I feel it's going to just spoil everything. But uh, <laughs> I, I just like having it brand new in a box. But um, these monsters you could re- you could purchase through Sea of Blood, the th- Sea of Blood um, uh, expansion, and then, uh, for example, Triton was like uh, and a good aligned um, sea sea monster that was quite powerful and that could cast magic, or you could mm-hmm. do it so that you paid for it and then you you you, you had these cards with the, the the sea monsters on it and you had them sort of you sort of uh, blindly uh, dealt them. 
um, sort of randomly uh, to each opponent, and then you just sort of you know you just took whatever you, whatever you drew, which I think was a really nice idea. Uh, but yeah, these would uh, appear and be, become um, quite painful for your opponent to deal with during the game from what I've seen in videos, uh, but they're just wonderful models, beautifully painted, um, and they really you know, they bring a, a wonderful new element to Man of War as a game. Yeah, that Triton model is really cool. I mean, they all are, but that Triton model is amazing. Um, yeah. Promethean, the big crab, there'd be a lot of eating in that, you know, if you caught him, if you managed to take him back to your, your village. Uh, mind you, hard to preserve any uh, seafood in those days, so you'd yes. need a lot of salt, wouldn't you? But, Absolutely, yeah. mate, yeah. Um, Open my restaurant, caught, caught Promethean, so <laughs> um, big old crab. Yeah. Uh, so on the next page, look at this, and we've got a wee section on John Blanche Illuminations. So we're going into some um, pages of artwork here. I like that photo of him as well, John himself. He's on a, looks like something about Terminator 2 there. He's on his motorbike. Uh, he needs your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. Um, so some of these drawings, yeah, look at that. We've got Space Marines. It's all the, the really dark Gothic kind of stuff. Uh, got an orc there a space marine monastery but uh, great drawings isn't they yeah i think it was kind of like uh, a 50 50 in people's opinion about john's artwork i mean it was a it was a big departure from what he did in the old hammer days when they were like really highly detailed full color um you know illustrations and i think these were kind of kind of like um, to some people's minds maybe just very quick sketches with ink, but I think for me, yeah, they 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 hold an element of nostalgia of that time and uh, during you know John's career at Games Workshop, which he's still a part of actually, by the way I should say, and um, yeah, I think they just you know they've just come out in John you know he he visualized 40k in a certain way that other artists didn't and um and i think that really is quite evident in the sort of nature of his artwork um you know if you look uh where is it there's a picture of the emperor you know which you know that that kind of visual depiction just wasn't uh present in other illustrations so john had a very particular style to his artwork that um yeah, just gave you a, a different kind of window to look through um, into the sort of his mind of what 40K meant to him. And it was a very grim, dark, awful, horrible, depressing-looking place, <laughs> but and often quite beautiful, like the uh, Adeptus Ministorum Preacher. This particular artwork I really like uh, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's more of his really fine, detailed um, uh, graphite kind of work. Um, so, yeah. Somebody's giving him a Chelsea smile. He's got a big scar yeah. up his cheek. <laughs> uh, must be man of the cloth. Disney stop you in this era, just beating him up or cutting him up or that. Um, he's probably cut I, himself up, mate. I'd say. Yeah. yeah aye. So the High Lord of Terror, that is the Emperor. Then. Did you know that just like every other podcast out there, this show has its very own Patreon? But this is no ordinary Patreon. It's actually the worst Patreon ever. That's right, there's no rewards, no extras, no bonus content, no early access, no shout-outs and no thank-yous. I'll just take the money and quietly get on with making the show. 
Not that there's any money to take because hardly anyone's pledging to the thing. Like I say, it's the worst Patreon ever. Find it at bedroombattlefields.com slash worst Patreon ever. That's all one word, worst Patreon ever. Now, back to the show. Uh, the High Lord of Terror is the Emperor, yes. So he's got a he's got a pipe coming out of his eye with a tap on it. I wonder what the purpose of that was. An eye tap. Be interested to know the the details behind his eye tap. I don't know. I don't know if that. Sorry, I don't know if that particular image is of the Emperor. But down the bottom, if you keep scrolling down or flipping past your pages, you'll see yeah. the picture of the, emperor at the bottom there. Yeah. So the, the High Lord oh, of yeah. Terror. I'm not really sure. I mean, maybe he's kind ah, of. Right. In the uh, and, and part of the administration, but I don't know which, which level. They're probably higher. yeah, right enough. Yeah, so what I've got here, I've got a center fold, which is the, the right. full color cover of the forty k uh, cover. Um, so yeah, beautiful, beautiful uh, image. This there's just so much going on, and then yeah, like you say, so we've got more of more of these wee black and white sketches. So the emperor himself, Christ, he's had a he's had a hard paper round, as we say. Um, yeah, he's he's not looking so good there. He's got sort of wee like gaskets coming out his head and steam coming out them. So that's a <laughs> that's a bad hangover. That he's got a bit of steam coming out your head. I know how he feels. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you will, Josh. You will. Um, <laughs> um, a high world renegade again. He's got he's got good eighties hair. Yeah. And uh, space marine fortress. We've got a wee skeleton on a on a sign outside as you do, um, but Halloween decorations. And yeah, that Ad- Adeptus Ministerium preacher, look mm. at his wee mailbox beside him. He would yeah. mailbox. It's yeah. just I love, I love all those details that John did. For fantasy yeah. also, he did all that kind of stuff, especially the Empire, you know, the uh-huh. Empire 4th uh-huh. edition book. So we've got, um, we've got a couple of pages here on Games Day 93, which looked like a blast. So this took place... Um, Donington Park. I'm not 100 percent sure where that is in England, but uh, yeah, look at the big crowd of folk coming in. They've got like banners and stuff like that. There's the Terminator again, um, that young Ian had in his bedroom. So the Terminator, he's got another out in there. He's got um, he's at Games Day now. Were you ever at uh, Games Day? Any of the Games Days during your stint in the UK? Uh, 95. I was there, mate. And where was that about? Oh, mate, I don't know. I think it was wasn't it Birmingham? That wasn't it Birmingham. They played. Yeah, they, they did a lot there, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, mate. I don't know exactly where it was. But I, I have very, very little memory of that day. Um, I was probably hungover, <laughs> knowing me back in those days. But yeah, I um, uh, I just remember working on the trade stands. I think I didn't actually get to see any of the event. I think I was just working on the trade stands and just selling stuff. So, you know what I always think looking at the, the photos for these events, the games look utterly chaotic. Like I could yeah. be, barely concentrate on a game just in a room with like my opponent. But when you see these, it's like 400 people around a table and there's just dice everywhere and models everywhere and bits of paper and rules. And I'm just wondering like, how did, how did they, how did anyone know what was going on? Or maybe they didn't, maybe it was just a, a bit chaotic, but um yeah, you ever played a game in those conditions? No, I haven't, mate. No, but I, I, there's one thing I noticed in this particular picture here, and and um, the studio display games, which I never knew they had that. So that you could basically play using the studio terrain. So you've got Adrian Wilde's River and two 
Uh, he's got yeah, the river and the two bridges sections there you can see in, mm. in that photograph, which is amazing. I, I had no idea that you can actually play with the studio terrain um, at games day. So that would have been the highlight for me if I could, could have done that. I mean, that would have been just amazing. So they're very, very lucky people uh, to playing with the studio terrain, I think. You know, when you look at the photo down the bottom, um, beside it says studio stands, and you've got a lot of kids here, you're, you're probably talking between the age of maybe nine and 12, maybe 13. To me, it, I don't know. Do you think young folk that age are still into the hobby? It seems a bit of an older hobby these days. Do you think that's a fair shout? Uh, um, I wonder if you see that many hard, kids now. Yeah. It's hard to say, but I, I, I don't know, because that's that's why I found it very strange that this, this era of the hobby wasn't represented more because I thought it would have, you know, it, it really captured so many people during the, what, late 80s, early 90s, Games mm-hmm. Workshop with HeroQuest and Space Crusade. I mean, that's that was their recruiting tools basically to get people into the hobby and to learn about more about Games Workshop. Um, so I would like to think that there are a lot of people uh, still gaming um, from that era. Um, or have dropped out of it for various reasons and came back to it later. Mm-hmm. So, what, what do you think? Don't know. I mean, um, like I say, because I'm not in really in their shops or that, so it's hard to say. You know, maybe there are a lot of kids mm. that go in. Um, it's just the, the few times I've been in, it's kind of been like the token couple of guys hanging about that are probably anywhere between sort of 22 and 32. Um mm. You know, they get the guys that won't even look at you when you go in. Just look at the floor. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, on the on the next page there. So more info on games day. So the the ticket costs five pounds to get in. A princely sum of five pounds. Um, mm. Five are not to be sneezed at back then. I suppose a fiver yeah. wasn't a small amount of money. Um, and then we've got an heavy metal page. Neil Hodgson is Neil somebody you know, Josh. I, I worked with Neil. He was the head of the design, uh, the um, the heavy metal team when I worked there um, during '95. Uh, so yeah, Neil, I sat next to Neil actually uh, during that time as well. So yeah, I, I Neil's a nice nice enough guy. I didn't really have that much to do with him, you know, personally. But um, yeah, he he was responsible for painting a lot of the um, you know the, the sort of the main or key models um that were represented in the white dwarf like all the character models and that kind of stuff he sort of did himself and all the other guys did most of the other rank and file type of stuff so he Mm. was privileged with um doing a lot of the nice stuff basically yeah i what a nice collection this is so a couple of Mm. couple of those elder guys very colorful um that's a very old hammery chaos warrior isn't it that's an old model yeah even for this time um. Yeah, that's a, it. Looks like he's sort of holding up a pass to get into something. It's like a <laughs> vaccine passport or something. Uh, it looks like he's then, been vaccinated, though. That's for sure. With those colours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's looking a bit, bit um, sickly. The the ice queen of Kislev. That's a that's some paint job on the white on the horse. Because mm-hmm. as everyone knows, white's a white's a bit of a nightmare to paint. Uh, but that's come up really well. Yeah. Uh, especially the yeah the detail of that emblem on the horse barding. I mean, I just tried yeah. doing that recently. I just 
I just started painting uh, a high elf mage, uh, and I just wanted to have a go at the the barding and white and that kind of thing, and doing the freehand on the barding, which is it's not easy. It's not easy. So I probably could have done a better job when I was a lot younger, but had better eyesight. But yeah, it's not easy. <laughs> yeah. Um. On the, the next few pages, we've got some grand openings. We've got a yeah, new yeah. store in Kingston Thames. We've got Bournemouth. Uh, we've got wee vouchers here for 10% off. I wonder if I took that into the shop down there. I wonder if these would still stand up. I think um, I'll laugh at you, mate. I'll laugh at you. So get out of here. So it's 10% off. He's <laughs> <laughs> a time traveller. <laughs> Uh, we've got 10% off, we've got 25% off any Games Workshop or Citadel product. Um, not to be used with any other offer. And it's got a it's got a date on it of 9th of October 1993. So, um, yeah, we've got some other products for sale here. Mighty Empires, what was that? Was that something to do with Man of War or was that something different? Uh, Man of, um, sorry, Mighty Empires was... Uh, did you see it? That we've got like a Gene Stealer a drawn yeah. a gene stealer so underneath that there's a yeah i've seen it mate yeah so yeah mighty empires was a board game that was actually um released during the time of third edition warhammer and you could it was basically like a, a mass scale um uh world kind of diplomacy battle type game so basically it was sort of you, you looked at a for, uh, like a Warhammer fantasy battle game, but it's way zoomed out like by 100%. And you had mm. all these kind of various seasons that you'd play through and, you know, you, you'd conduct diplomacy between different empires and you'd, you'd have, you know, minor or major battles depending on what happened. But then you could incorporate the, uh, the battles using the third edition uh, rule set. So if you wanted to play it using 28 mil models to um, work, you know, to resolve a particular conflict you could do that um yeah very nice looking game i haven't had much experience playing it but it's been one of those games that's been on my radar um, to Mm. pick up at some point on the uh, next page we've got the sea of blood expansion we've got some uh, info on that so that again that's man of war they were really pushing man of war in this era weren't they Mm -hmm. um on the front cover, it's, uh, it's dwarfs against high elves. I'm always a bit sad to see that. I always think, come on, guys, get your get your act together. You're both goodies. There's no need to be killing well, each other. These, these are actually, Matthew, sorry, these are dark elves. Is that elves. dark elves? We, we right played enough. this today, me and Paul. Paul was kicking my yeah. butt with these dark elves today, with these right sea monsters and everything like that. They're my dwarves Aye. being cut to, cut to shreds and you know being killed to a, to a dwarf. So very sad day today. Look at the wee guy, the, the dwarf at the the bottom right-hand corner. He's sort yeah. of lying on his back. He's got a couple of arrows in his shield. Um, looks yeah. like he's taking quite a sore one. Look at look at his face. Um, and Bloody a bit of pain there. Dark hills. <laughs> Come on, fight me like a man, he says. <laughs> like a dwarf, I should say. But yeah, 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 wonderful game. Uh, if you've never played it, mate, honestly, try to, try to get a copy or go, go and get a mate who's got a copy and have a game of it. You'll absolutely love it. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to try it out for sure. Um, and speaking of dwarfs as well, we we then move into some Warhammer dwarf characters. So we've got a a guide by Rick Priestley here. Um, we're talking about Rune Lord Crag the Grim, and uh, yeah, we've got um, there's um, Burlock Damonson. He's not the the Slayer one, is he? That's somebody else. 
No, that's um, the, the the Slayer. The Slayer King is uh, something totally different. This is this. Yeah, Burlot Dominson is the engineer character basically that had very little uh, special rules, and I don't think anybody took him. Um, I, I actually don't have to have this model in particular, uh, sadly. So I'll need to get him at some point. But I think he was most he was the most unloved character. I think of all the characters mm. in the Dwarf Army book. Yeah, and we see the we see the models painted up on the next page, and it's a, it's a good wee model as well, big metal oh. hand and stuff. We've got Crag the Grim, we've got some miners as well. Do you think the miners thought that they were just going to their work, and then they ended up in a battle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with still with candles still still uh, you know ablaze on top of their little helmets. Yeah, yeah, because uh, it's yeah. funny that they just get the trade name. You know, you don't see a unit like the bakers or. Um, <laughs> The clerks. <laughs> well, they didn't, have, they didn't have two-handed pickaxes, but that's probably why. So I think the miners yeah. were an obvious choice for you know being enlisted. At a glance, it makes them look like archers. You know, when you see the picks there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't like to take one of them off the head. Um, and then we dive we dive right back into Warhammer Forty K. Um, so I think I think we're heading into the battle. They used to play a battle in White Dwarf at the end. So yeah, we're heading into. We're going to see a battle between uh, Andy Chambers' Bloody Angels and somebody's taking charge of the orcs, but I've cut the page out again, so I don't know. <laughs> Another bit of artwork, maybe you cut out. That's what it would have been. I know. John Blanche, I, I was such a vandal. So what, what, what do we see in the artwork then? Uh, it looks like to be Marines and Adeptus. Uh, I don't know what, they, what these guys are called. Sorry, I, I'm not so... Well versed in the sort of deep background of the um, Astartes lore and that kind of thing, but there's a certain. Um, it wasn't the Inquisition; it was another one. Um, uh, I can't remember what they're called. Adeptus Mechanicus, maybe. I'm not sure, but these these sort of half they're not even men. I suppose they're just all these kind of cyborg-looking guys running around and um, had all these like servo arms and uh, all kinds of pipes hanging out their chests and mouths and that kind of stuff. But I can't remember what they're called. I'm sorry. But yeah, lots of those. Actually, you've got, you, you can see a servitor in the background there. You've got a Marine that's got his, uh, looks like a bull, looks like a dark angel maybe. He's got his mm. arm blown off and a shoulder pad damaged and you've got like this servo skull flying through the, through the air. So yeah, John was great at doing these mass big battles like that. Um, the scale and scope of his his artwork are just wonderful. I love all these kind of drawings that he did. Yeah, obviously did as well. That's why I cut them all out of the magazine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> picture of the magazine. Yeah. Um, so that's a big old orc horde. Uh, there's Gazgul. I had that model. Um, it yeah. was a it was a, it was a very spiky model. Should I like stabbed my finger on them when I was painting them? <laughs> Uh, the the orc, orcs in general were just very spiky in this era. Just loads of spikes everywhere. Um, mm. That the um, the battle wagon. I mean, look at the spikes on that. Like, yeah, it's like Hellraiser's car. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you can see painted running that, can you? You know, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good point. That yeah, I mean those those bloody things are really rare and ex- extremely expensive to find nowadays. The um, the orc battle wagons. So, um, so next couple of pages we've got. I used to like these deployment maps. It always gave me ideas of how I might like to lay out a table if I 
ever had one or any terrain <laughs> just yeah. a bunch of homemade kid stuff but um you know toilet roll tubes and stuff like that rocks yeah and then we go into the we go into the battle itself so don't know if they still do this in white dwarf these days but you got a a sort of play-by-play report on the turns uh, at the end of the turns you got the, the score as it was so looks like the blood angels they were they were pretty much trailing the entire game uh, they're down 6-2, they're down 6-4 and then I think they come back in the very last minute and win the game so yeah it looks uh, again some of these photos so I've got a photo there of um, the battle wagon crashes into the rhino and uh, we've got sort of big cactus style plants, palm trees, we've got like a ruined church style building so yeah with 40k they like these sort of jungly type planets didn't they yes yeah, very much so. Um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of the guys now on Facebook are actually making a lot of these kind of, you know, alien-looking vegetation kind of plants and that kind of thing to replicate all these old-school tables that you saw in the second edition, which I think is great. The cactus plants being, you know, the most iconic ones with the toothpick, uh, yeah, the toothpicks in a kind of a, you know, foam um, uh, round kind of, you know, uh, ball kind of thing if you if you buy it or just make it you know I mm. think they're great yeah it's wonderful yeah, and see. the, the, I've seen a lot of guys getting um, it's the stuff that you buy for like tropical fish tanks and uh, yeah. using that and it comes up really well yeah um, you know what confuses me about um, setting up these tables Josh it's like you've got space marine buildings and then you've got like an orc village and they're within like 100 yards of each other <laughs> You think why did why did you build your towns just directly across from each other? Like you've, you've got yeah. a whole galaxy, you could have found a planet. But, um, no wonder you are fighting. It's almost like overnight they've just built this. They've they've built this. Um, you know this uh, outpost and encroached on the en- enemy territory, and then they, they woke up in the morning. Hey, hey, look at these guys! They just they just parked their um, <laughs> or they've just built their um, you know their um. Their factory on our backyard, so let's go and kick some yeah. butt and kick them out of here. So yeah, yeah it's get funny. To it. I do with Epic Space Marine. You can kind of get away with that because of the scale of the game and you know. yeah. But yeah, for UK, it looks funny, doesn't it? Yeah. So there's a load of the um, the wee Gretchen with the huge guns. Mm. Um, I think it was Nathan again referred to him before at the Warhammer Orchard podcast. He was talking about the the scale of those guns the Gretchen's guns, they're, they're still bigger to this day than like the modern, the big space marine guns. So like those tiny those tiny Gretchen were carrying these huge guns and it, as far as I know, the, the damage on them was so minimal as well. So, But they are like the biggest guns that have ever existed. Um, <laughs> the biggest handheld guns even in the game. So, uh, But they were rubbish. Uh, great to paint though, apart from when you got to maybe your like 40th of them. Then you'll be yeah. ready to be done. Yeah, when you've got like five, like twenty of those guys at five points a model, and you're throwing, you're throwing twenty dice. Yeah, it will do some damage. It will take things out. Um, so yeah, I, I take Gretchen as many Gretchen as I can actually in my in my games if I can because they're great sort of cannon fodder. Um, and yeah, they can they can dish out a fair fair amount of um, firepower. So. So we get to the the final score of the battle. Blood Angels 9, Orcs 8. So it was a very close game. But uh, Andy Chambers came out on top there. He had a fine set of mutton chop whiskers in this era. 
Yeah, it was Jervis Johnson he was fighting. I think he still works for them, as far as I know. Uh, Jervis Johnson recently um, like retired or just you know made himself redundant or whatever. He just left yeah. with a very big paycheck, um, I would imagine. So uh, to go into, you know, I think he was the last of the well, the design studio that I know, apart from a couple, couple of the sculptors. I think Jez Goodman still works there and um, a couple of other people there. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, he left. So probably onto bigger and better things, or just to retire altogether. So yeah, I, I fair play him. That's a that's a lot of service he's put in there. So yeah, mate. Yeah. Um, yeah. So next page, we've got a couple of grand openings again. Glasgow. That's that's not far Ooh. from me. So I could take the twenty five percent off tokens, and <laughs> that'd be a good way to get one of the Chelsea smiles we talked about. If I go into Glasgow yeah, yeah. and try and spend that. Um, <sighs> imagine they'd be telling me where to go. Shrewsbury could go down there as well. So that opens at 9am, Saturday the 30th of October, 1993. Mm. So uh, getting the old uh, DeLorean and go back to that. Um, Yeah, they've got a couple of deals. You could pick up Space Hulk, Space Marine, Deathwing, buy any two red dot items and get a yellow dot item free. So a lot of of deals available back then. Um, and then we go on to the famous mail order pages, which we all loved back in the day when you had to either fill out a postal order or, or phone up as well, borrow your mum's credit card or just steal it and uh, make an order. And uh, these catalogue pages, I, I used to just um, peruse them endlessly, making lists of stuff that I'd never be able to afford. But um, yeah, we've got, a, we've got the Citadel Miniatures catalogues. I think, were you... Were you doing a, a look through one of them quite recently, if I remember correctly, Josh? Oh, yeah. That was one of the catalogs I got, yeah, from um, a good buddy of mine in the UK. He got me one of those. Um, yeah, so I've still got another, what, three or four more to collect. But, yeah, beautiful, beautiful uh, catalogs just as an archive of all those great models. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely worth getting if you can find a copy that's, you know, still intact. Uh, as the binding was not all that great back in those days of Games Workshop books. But if you can find one, yeah, grab it because it's nice to have a look at all those old models. I, I was just looking here too, Matthew, like this mail order form. I've never filled a mail order form in my life, but I thought it was just uh, I thought it was just funny that they basically trusted you to write down all the codes and the prices, the quantity and the total price, include the, the posters and package, uh, packaging uh, costs and everything. You had to total up yourself. And then, you know, you write a check or whatever and just hope and pray that everything was correct. Like if you stuffed up like the, the pricing or something like that, how would they fix that up? Like how would they contact to say, hey, mate, sorry, you, you, you short change is like two pounds or something like that and, you know, you need to rewrite this check or whatever. It would be an absolute bloody nightmare, wouldn't it? I know it's funny because you think about now, you know, websites that sell stuff, they talk about like we need to minimize the amount of steps where the customer might just give up with the purchase because, you know, yeah. there's just too many hoops or that. But back here, like you're saying, it's like there were so many points where you might just give up. Um, they obviously, at this point, I don't know don't know what their marketing team was like. I mean, they weren't doing too bad at this point, right enough, but I suppose it's just one of the things where they're hoping that you're um, invested enough to proceed with it. But, yeah, imagine you'd um, just did all the prices maybe made it up give yourself a healthy discount i wonder if they'd just follow through on your order for um being brazen yeah. enough to do that <laughs> well people you know back in the day 
um, you know, sending a um, a mail order form from overseas, you know, sending them a, a fairly hefty check, and then just in the mail, and then hoping and praying that they actually received it, you know, went followed through with your order and sent it back, and you actually got it back. I mean, yeah, there's there's so many ways where all that could have just gone wrong, and you could just never heard back from them. You know, it's amazing now what you think about it. And I, I did do a few of these orders. So what would happen, I would get my birthday money, you know, it'd be my birthday, I'd get a few cards. And I'd um, I'd want a naive child. Uh, I'd just want to stick the money in the envelope and send it. My mum was explaining to me, she says, you, you can't just send uh, like, you know, 40 quid, two twenty pound notes. You can't just send that. <laughs> I was like, why not? You know, they'll, they'll, they'll be honest about it. But she's like, no, but if it gets lost, it's lost. Like, um, mm. so... I had to give her the money. She would write a check, etc. Um, just looking at some of the the orcs here, you could pick up an orc dreadnought for six pounds ninety nine, uh, and they were doing a sort of little bundle deal here. So um, yeah, the price of this stuff here compared to what it would go for now must be pretty eye opening. Um, we go into some dwarfs here again. We've we've seen a few of these miniatures so far in this edition. We've got. More dwarves. I've actually uh, taken a felt tip pen, you know, on the, the so we've got a page. I think these are Marauder miniatures rather than Citadel miniatures we've got here, like Troll Slayers, Thunderers. Yeah, um, Marauder miniatures. So, yeah. And I've went and coloured all of these dwarves in with felt tip pen. So I've like oh, nice. sort of painted them, if you like. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a color, is that a colour page for you? Maybe I'm talking about Mars. And they're not coloured. No, they're they all not? black and white. So you would oh, have right, coloured it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did colour them all in then. Yeah. So there oh. you go. Very bored child. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it gave a lot of good painting practice, that's for sure. Yeah, I pity it didn't um, bear any fruit when you look at some of my stuff these days. Um, Space Marines, again, in these days you've seen models that had, they were metal, but they had plastic parts as well, which was a funny combination some of these old space marines too but like the beaks uh, yeah. the mark 2 mark 2 and mark 3 armor is that is that what that means yep um yeah mark 2 crusader armor mark 3 iron armor so yeah, yeah i had yeah. a couple of these space marines bought a couple of those i just used to pick up stuff i liked i wasn't necessarily collecting armies or that it was more just whatever took my fancy when i had some money which was rare um, Terminators, we've got Orcs again the Orcs for this area they're great aren't they mm, beautiful, yeah I love them Orc bosses, so there's Gazgul and he comes with a wee standard bearer that had him too, so you got a few of these in your collection to this day Josh I do, well recently I, I did a, a wonderful uh, trade of painting for a massive second edition Orc army with a guy, uh, a good mate of mine in, in the US. So I managed to pick up uh, quite a lot of miniatures out of that. So I was very, very happy and um, I've painted them. So even better, I'm actually painting, painted them and play, playing with them. So it's even nicer. So I can enjoy them now. Yeah, you'll need to send me a, a couple of links uh, if, if you've got any photos of them and I could stick them in the episode show notes and yeah, the listener sure, could man. get a wee look. Yeah, no problem at all. Last couple of pages, yeah, we've got more space orcs. We've got the Snotlins. They've always been a favourite of mine. So we've got Snotlin selling squigs, Snotlin with serving platter, 
Snotling with spanner, snotling with cutters, <laughs> snotling with stick bomb and ammo box, snotling with plans. I'd love to see what were on those plans. Uh, snotling with shell and snotling with pennant. So who doesn't love the snotlings? Oh, I love them. Yeah, I I was actually using, I was actually proxying some of these guys uh, for um, uh, what were they called again? Pink horrors of Tzinch because I don't have any yeah. of those. And in the game, we I had to summon those through a through a psychic power, and I didn't have anything. Oh, okay, I will just use some of these little little um, snotlings or Gretchen for these, you know. And um, yeah, they're some of the best models. I love that one with the the stick bomb and ammo box. I think that's one of the best ones yeah. ever made. <laughs> Yeah, that's just excellent. Um, yeah, it's probably the, the, the size perspective. It's probably like a jewellery box or something that he's holding. Yeah. yeah I don't know what kind of ammo he would have got in there. But, uh, <laughs> Squeak ammo, yeah. I like on uh, these uh, mech boys, the, the guy with the flamethrower, actually looks like he's holding a Hoover vacuum cleaner, or yeah. cleaner. We've got a guy with a bone saw, pincers and hair squig. Does aye that the, the hair squigs were things, weren't they? The orcs they wore were. like squigs with hair, they so were. you could get a yeah. you could get an orc with a hair squig. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, the road trader uh, books really gave a lot of detail to the um, to a lot of the background to the orcs. Um, the three books they released for those, so they contain all that kind of information. I think Nathan touched on that in a really good episode of his podcast at the did, yeah. Game. That's where um, I heard of it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. You, you check it out, and um, yeah, that was really interesting. And that brings us, yeah, we've got a Norse warship, another ad for forty k, and yeah. uh, that brings us to the to the end of the book. Nice wee um, picture of space wolves fighting the elder on the back there, and. Uh, yeah, and that's timely because I've got to take my wee girl for a drive in the car and try and stop her being a shit today because uh, <laughs> she's crying all day Poor and my wife's at her wit's yeah. end, yeah. yeah. Um, well, that was fine, brilliant, I, Josh. Yeah, but thank you very much again for having me on your podcast, mate. I really enjoyed the episodes you've released so far, so please keep up the great work and um, long may it continue, mate. I am really grateful to have you on, Josh. Um, where, just before we get wrapped up, where uh, are some of the links that the listener could catch up with your work? Well, they can catch me on my YouTube channel where I, I post up all pretty much all my games that I play, uh, usually weekly or fortnightly, um, playing a lot of the 90s games like Warhammer 40k 2nd Edition, Warhammer Fantasy Battles 5th Edition. Uh, so that's the Craner Command. Uh, that's I think this is Craner Command podcast on YouTube. You just search that up, you'll find it. And um, you can always search for the Craner Command podcast on your uh, podcasting um, application of choice uh, or platform, and you'll find me there. And you can uh, yeah get sort of stay in tune with the, all our you know sort of weekly or fortnightly interviews we have with people in our community. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of the Tabletop Miniature Hobby Podcast. For show notes, subscribe links and info about how to appear as a guest on a future episode, go to bedroombattlefields.com slash podcast.